the Sunday Sermons Podcast. So I've been praying a really interesting prayer lately for you, for myself, for my family, for our church as a whole, for people as individuals. Um, I'm asking that God will make us into post-turtles. I don't know if you know what that means or not, but if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, here's what you know. They had some help. They did not get there by themselves. Are you with me? And, and, and that's what these spiritual gifts, uh, the, the, the spiritual fruit that we've been exploring is all about. They're not things that we can do on ourselves. A, a turtle can, is actually, they say they're really slow. A lot of them are, but a lot of them are actually pretty fast and they can swim really well. Turtles can do a lot of cool stuff. But if you ever see one on top of a fence post, I guarantee you that turtle did not get itself there. And that, that's the same way with each one of these things. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We can generate some of that to some degree, but we can't do the spiritual level of it at all. We can't do the biblical level at all. And so when people would see me or see you or see us as a church and they go, wow. What kind of joy is that? What kind of love is that? What kind of peace? When they see that, that's my prayer. They'll see it at such a level they know we had some help. That's the dream. That's the prayer. Does that make sense to you guys? Praise God. Again, quick review. In, throughout Scripture, all the words that we translate, almost all of them, there's a few exceptions, but very few, almost all of them that describe righteousness or uprightness or, or those kind of words, justice and goodness, they're, they're, mo- they're archery terms. They have to do with staying on a very narrow path, aiming at a very specific bullseye. And all the terms, almost all the terms that have to do with sin or wickedness or all those, they have to do with getting off the path of straying. And the truth is that all of us on our own are naturally bent to stray. Anybody here ever like archery or shooting guns? Anybody? Just raise your hand if you're into those kind of things you've aimed at a target before. Uh, We're naturally bent to miss, aren't we? No matter how much we practice, I mean, it's a, it's a good day when you've got a great grouping in the near the middle, right? It's a really exciting day when you're close. And, and if you ever hit the actual bullseye, it's like, yeah, nailed it. And these are people that are, they've been practicing forever, right? That's, we're naturally bent to miss. That's why we need the Holy Spirit so badly. And without him, we all naturally miss The mark. That's why Paul, in the same passage we've been looking at, this list of what the Spirit does in us, he starts by listing the other stuff. He says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger selfish ambition. Let me pause for just a moment. Do you notice how selfish all of these are? Do you notice as we've noted several times over the last couple weeks that again these are all cheap counterfeits or outright just perversions of something good that God made. None of them are something that just exists on its own. It's, It's something that's broken and twisted and spoiled out of something good that God created. 
Also notice that while we must never pretend that sexual immorality and idolatry and some of those are not on this list, we must also, I think, notice that most of the things on this list, listen to me, Christians, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Most of the things on this list have to do with anger and hostility and division and how we handle it when we disagree with others inside and outside of God's body. We're naturally bent to be divided. We're naturally bent to get upset with each other. But I'm praying that we become post-turtles. That we actually hit the mark and people know, hey, they're getting it right. They must have had some help. Let's keep on with this list. Again, dissension, division, envy, and drunkenness and wild parties and other sins like this. Listen to Paul's words here. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Say it with me. I know you know this now. Ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we live by the Spirit, since we are living by the Spirit, listen to that line. Our life depends on the Spirit as Christians. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The last line, we haven't said that one every time of the blessing, but it's important too. It says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous one another. Why? Because it's not a competition. If we get there to the top of that fence post, it's because we had some help from the Holy Spirit. It's not because you're so good at it or I'm so good at it. Well, here we are at the end of the list. We've got one more week after this because, as I said at the beginning, we're going to wrap up with love. Faithfulness and love flow through all of these. This is the last one on the list, self-control. The Greek word is egratia. You can try it if you want. Try it. Egratia. Teia. People argue about how to say it, but there you go. Here's what it means. It means self-control, but again, it's not what you think. Most of us think that self-control is the ability to, you want to punch somebody, but you count to 10 and you don't punch them. You, you, you want two donuts and you only eat one, right? You want to wave at somebody and only use one finger and you don't. You use all of them or you don't wave at all. That's not self-control. That's, that, that, that's, that's, that's turtles walking around in the mud kind of stuff. That's turtles kind of slowly making their way across the street kind of stuff. That's not sitting on top of a fence post kind of turtle stuff. Are you with me? The self-control the scripture talks about, the, the original words that we translate into self-control, it's really more of a total mastery of your body and yourself and your will. It's a total mastery, a complete focus. It's a high-level skill. It's like someone who is an archer, and they almost never miss. They shoot guns, and they almost never miss. The bullseye is not something that they rarely get. They get it most of the time and occasionally have a pretty good grouping around it. Are you with me? This is somebody who really knows what they're doing, and they're focused 
And this is the kind of lifestyle that we're called to live and empowered to live by the Holy Spirit. When Paul talked to Felix, one of the Roman rulers, over and over in Acts chapter 24, it's interesting the three things he talked to Felix about, the three things that scared Felix. Here's the verse 25 says, As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. Righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Those are the three big points. He could have talked to him about anything. Yeah, because righteousness, when he's talking about righteousness, he's talking about the whole thing of aiming at God's target and everything that has to do with that. And the only way you can get there is through Jesus. And when he's talking about self-control, he's talking about the Holy Spirit and the whole thing that we are empowered to actually get there. We actually have the potential to master our urges and desires and actually become like Jesus. See the world he sees it. Interact with the world the way he interacted with it. That's possible because his spirit lives inside of us. And there's going to be judgment at the end based on whether we accept to walk that path and accept the gift Christ sacrifice and resurrection gave us and live the life with the empowerment and the guiding of the Holy Spirit or not. It's the whole gospel right there. That's no wonder he's scared. Galatians 2.20. Heard this just a few minutes ago. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And again, this is not just not doing things. This kind of self-control, this kind of I approach my life understanding that I am dead. The life that's being lived here is God's life. Every day is about that. It's, it's not just avoiding things. It's focusing on things. Did anybody else besides me like watching some of the Olympics this year? I, I mostly just saw little highlights on um, YouTube, but I really enjoy it. I love to see somebody do something that they've worked that hard at for years and years. And you know they sacrifice. You know that they don't even drink carbonated drinks or a bunch of stuff. High-level high athletes, they sacrifice a lot. But me not drinking carbonated drinks does not get me to the level that they get there. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you see a gymnast or you see anybody who's doing something with complete control of their body, that's not just from not doing some bad stuff when they really want to do those bad things. They are completely focused day after day after day after day at those specific tasks that they are trying to master. And when you see that mastery, you know something happened. Here's what else you know. They had a coach. We'll talk about that in just a second. But first, let's look again at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He, he uses the same illustration right here in the Bible. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, get, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Let me pause for just a second. There's more in this passage. This is an interesting idea. Sometimes we talk about we're going to get a crown when we go to heaven. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I love the old hymn says, we'll trade it one day for a crown. But I think 
most of us picture like some big garish, like golden, velvety, jewelly thing, like human crowns. But in scripture, I just think it's important that we note the original idea. That, that term crown is, is the laurel wreath that was kind of like the trophy or, the, or the, the gold medal or the silver or bronze medal in the Olympic Games. It's, it's a prize. It says you did it. You won. You succeeded. It's not you're the king of everything. It's you won the game. You did it. You completed it. You won. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be leaves or, or gold. And I don't know if it's even a literal clown. I, I'm not going to get into that today. But I think it's important we understand the heart of that term. When he says that we're competing for a crown that will last forever, it's a reward we get from God for what we've done in this life. And that will never fade away. Therefore, Paul says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. Again, if you see somebody compete on this kind of level, somebody has coached them. Somebody has passed on a whole bunch of information that's been collected from a lot of different people who have been working at the same skill, the same idea for a really long time. And they're imparting all of that to you. They're downloading all of that stuff to you right away. And that's where you're starting on the shoulders of all these other giants. And then you have all this hard work. Once again, turtles on a fence post. We have the word of God. Printed and written in so many different versions and translations. All of our heart languages, little by little, not near fast enough, but little by little, it's being translated into all of them around the world. We have access to more Bible study things than we ever have had in any time in history. We have easier access to it than we've ever had before. We have coaching out the wazoo. But the athletes still have to put in the work. Don't forget that. Here, here's, the, here's a sad truth about this turtle thing. Turtles can't get up on top of the fence post by themselves, but they can get themselves off by themselves. If you ever see a turtle laying upside down next to a fence post, that might have been them all by themselves. That's a scary thought. Second Peter chapter 1 has a lot to say about all of this stuff. I love how... Somebody so different than Paul, somebody who struggled so hard as he followed Jesus in person, somebody through the power of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what he says about all this stuff harmonizes so perfectly with what Paul says about it. Peter says, his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need, we've got it. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Does that sound familiar? This, uh, the, the results of the sinful nature, following the sinful nature, are obvious. These, 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 these. But the fruit of the Spirit is these, 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 these. When we follow the leading of the Spirit and He changes us and makes us into loving, joyful, peaceful, faithful 
etc. kind of people, we are participating in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Peter continues, for this very reason, make every effort. Here's where our hard work comes in. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Again, we're going to wrap this thing up with love next time. I don't want to spend a lot on that. But that mutual affection is just... It's all the stuff that we've already explored quite a bit here. Faithfulness, gentleness, kindness. The Holy Spirit produces all of that in us. And that's how we treat each other. The love thing takes it even a higher notch. It's an even higher fence post. We're going to look at that next week. But don't miss the role that we play here. Peter says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Again, as always, the idea of faith, faithfulness, the title, the faith, throughout Scripture, it implies we do something about it. We can't get there by ourselves. We cannot be saved without Jesus. We cannot become like Jesus without the Holy Spirit. But God expects us to do something and keep doing something day after day after day in pursuit of what he calls us to. Peter wraps up this little passage like this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Scrunch all of this that we just covered together. And that is the biblical concept of self-control. Are you tracking? Did you just read that text? I hope so. But what does that look like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Again, I think uh, uh, some of the arts and some of those sometimes speak to us on levels that maybe even the artists don't mean to. I referred to Rocky a couple of weeks ago or maybe even last week. I can't remember right this second. I'm quoting him again. This is Rocky. He says, every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. I like that one a lot. Would you say that out with me? If you want to, you can even try your best Sylvester Stallone. I'm not going to try because mine is terrible. But say this out with me. This is true. Every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. And I don't know about you, but the, the best part of any of the Rocky movies is the training montages. You know what I'm saying? And they're running, and the guy's right next to him. Come on, Rock! Hit him harder! Come on! Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That, that, uh, that's not even as good as the... I'm sorry. I don't know why I even tried. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, though. All the push-ups and the one-arm one arm push-ups and the running. And, the, and you're like, yeah. You don't even care about boxing. And you're like, go get a rocket. It gets to the top of the hill. Whoa, da-da-da. Gonna fly now. Something calls to our heart about that because that's how we're made. No matter how twisted and broken the image of God in us ever gets, we're created to long 
to pursue something that matters, to do something that's bigger than this life, bigger than ourselves, bigger than whatever little town or big city we live in, bigger than whatever country we call our own, bigger than everything, bigger than life itself. We are longing to do something that matters, that outlasts and outshines all the stuff that seems to matter so much. And even if it's about some fictional boxer People who don't care about boxers and only like true stories get into it if they let themselves because our hearts, our souls call out to this. It's, it's, it's the spirit calling to us. I've quoted a, a lady named Ibukun Awosika several times. One of the things she said I really appreciate was she unpacks the, the Shakespeare quote, to thyself be true. And when, uh, most of the time when people quote that today, when they quote Shakespeare and they say, to thyself be true, what they're trying to tell you is you should follow your desires and urges, whatever they are. Don't let anybody tell you they're wrong. Whatever you want to do is probably the right thing to do. Don't let anybody tell you different. That's not what he meant. And that's certainly not what it means for a Christian. As a Christian, here's what she pointed out. To be true to yourself is not just to be honest about who you are and what you struggle with, but it's to be true to who you believe you need to be, who you aspire to be. It's, it's about to be true to yourself is to be, you, you actually live the life that you believe you should live. And when you stumble, you admit it. But every single day, every single day, you get right back up on that treadmill and you go for it again. That's what it means to be true to yourself as a believer. I'd like you to say this little equation with me. This is not from her, but it's a good one, and I'd like you to say it out loud. Integrity equals location plus destination. One more time. Integrity equals location plus destination. Here's what that means. You've got to be honest about where you are. And some people think that's the whole thing of integrity. If I'm honest about here I am, here's what I'm good at, here's what I'm really not good at, then I'm a man of integrity. That's part of it. Some people say, no, no, no. Integrity is about what you want to be, what you aspire to be, what you believe you should be. Fake it till you make it, man. Do what you got to do. Just don't let them see you sweat. Don't let them see you bleed. Just get there. Just get there. Just be true to that. True integrity is both. You hear me? It's location plus destination. You're honest about where you are. You're aware of where you are so you know what the next step needs to be. But you're all about the destination every single day. Paul again in 1 Corinthians 19. Just a few verses earlier than the ones we just read a second ago. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. This beautiful passage, I hope you go back and read the whole thing later, but he talks about how he reaches out to Jews and Gentiles, but he wraps it up with this. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Because every minute of every day of this guy's life was about the gospel. It was about the eternity of the people around him. He was willing to do anything, sacrifice anything for that. A lot of people are really struggling with fear right now. I'm not going to pretend that I'm exempt. I have a lot of things that I'm afraid of and I have to lay before God. 
But one of the things that I'm learning, one of the things I'm so proud of this church, seeing you guys learn little, uh, with me in this, is something that I, I think Dale Carnegie can say it better than I can. He says this, Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer the negative elements in your life, don't sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. A couple weeks ago, I, I saw one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a while where you guys got busy. Uh, with just a, a short invitation at the end of both services, I said, hey, there's, there's a family that really needs your help. And you guys lined up. And people cooked and served and set up tables and decorated and served and tore it all down and, and worked the doors and were friendly. And we were able to bless this huge family that most of us barely knew, maybe just a couple of the people in that crowd, with just a simple invitation, hey, could we do this? Could we do this? I don't know if anybody was really afraid of that. I don't know. But here's what I saw. There was confidence and there was courage. And it was fun and it was good. And every single person who participated in that was just ecstatic. It was so much joy. There was so much peace. The real kind of wholeness and completeness that the Spirit produces in that room that night. There was faithfulness and gentleness. And all the other things happening with everybody that was there. So proud of you and so thankful. And that's just one example of where we're doing that. And that's my challenge to you is keep at it. Keep doing the stuff that the Spirit leads you to do. That will breed confidence and courage in you. Here, here's two last things. We're going to wrap this up with these two last challenges. I need you to say these out loud with me. I need to just unpack them a little bit. And uh, anybody else besides me like Indiana Jones... Okay, we're going to talk about Indiana Jones for some. I hope that will lock it into our hearts and help us do it. First thing, everybody say this with me. Start where you are. Again, integrity is location plus destination. You need to be honest about where you are this morning. I, I urge you to get alone with God. Don't just be honest. You need to be honest right this very second, right in this place with the God and the other people around you at this moment. But you need to get some time alone today and just get really, really, and really honest with exactly where you are right now. And I challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God to move, to speak to you with his spirit in you and show you exactly where you are. He, he will. Remember, if it's really his voice, it, it's going to be convicting, but it won't be condemning. If you start praying that way and you just start feeling really condemned and like you need to give up, that's not the Holy Spirit. But if you hear something, you, you really, you really got to fix this. And you can't. You're hearing the voice of God. One of the things I love about Indiana Jones is he's an archaeologist, but he doesn't just study stuff. He doesn't just read books in a library. He goes places. He does stuff. Every, that, that little map just it goes and goes and goes. There's a lot of stops, a lot of starts, a lot of mini adventures along the way, but he's constantly pursuing what he's after. And that's the kind of thing that we've got to do. He doesn't stay in any one place. You see those little red dots? You know what I'm talking about? Da, 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 da. And he gets here, and something happens here, and then da, 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 follow the next clues. Then here, da, 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 da. another one. 
Wherever you are is where you are, but don't let that be where you stop. Here's the second thing. Go where the Holy Spirit leads. Would you say that out loud? Go where the Holy Spirit leads. We have got to commit to seeking God on our own and in small groups and as a large group that represents him. We've got to commit to listening to him, giving him a chance to speak to us in all of those levels, alone in smaller groups and as a church. We've got to give him a voice and then when we hear it, to follow it. Because he's there to guide us. He's there to empower us. He's there to take all of us little turtles and put us on a fence post that we would never be able to get to alone. He longs to do that. That's his dream. That's what he's asking. That's what he wants. Of course he's going to answer that prayer if we ask him and we do our part. Here's the second thing about Indiana Jones. And this is my challenge to you this morning. I think my favorite of the movies is the third one. I like all of them, but I really like The Last Crusade with him and his dad and that whole thing. But you remember at the end of that, if you've seen him, he has to take this leap of faith. How many remember and know what I'm talking about? He's, he has, it looks like it's just this empty gorge. He's just going to step out into it. Somehow he's going to be able to walk on air. And he knows that's impossible, but he, it's his only hope to save his dad, to save himself, to finish the quest. To, it, this is all he's got. And so he takes that leap of faith. And what he finds out is there was actually something there all along. You just couldn't see it. I'm asking you to take that leap of faith this morning. Whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting you about, calling you into, it's probably scary. It's probably hard. It's probably something that that you don't understand how it's going to work. It's probably something, not probably, it is something that you cannot do on your own. And that's why it's scary. But you have the Holy Spirit. And he can get you where he wants you to get. Would you take the next wise step? The first wise step to whatever he's asking you to do this morning if you need to make that public come up here we'd love to encourage you in that pray for you if it's something private that's okay but let's all make that choice together